We continue with our program this morning. Bob Metz joins us, as does Jeff Schlemmer. Welcome to both of you. Hello. Morning, Jim. Our regular panelists on left, right, and center. Jeff, I want to start with you this morning. Are you going to run for the Liberal nomination in London North Center? They're, obviously, they are looking for candidates. You have profile. You have experience in the party. Uh, have you thought about that at all? No. No, I haven't thought about that. And uh, I've always said that the reason that, that I would not consider running right now is because uh, I still have a fairly young child, and I wouldn't simply not live in Ottawa or Toronto until he heads off to university. So, so this isn't your for time. Me. It's not my time. I'm a London Wester anyway. I'm a Westerner. <laughs> the, uh, uh, th- that race, of course, we mentioned this earlier, that race is looking very interesting. Diane Haskett won the nomination for the Tories last night. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about what the NDP will do, that that's going to be a nasty race, and that happens tomorrow. The vote is tomorrow for that. And then the paper today, there's Dave Burkhardt, our mutual friend Dave Burkhardt, apparently considering running for the Liberals. Now, will you correct me if I'm wrong, but I've sort of thought of Dave as a conservative over the last few years. Well, yes, and and uh, I remember it being quite the shock when he came out as a conservative because we all thought he was a liberal. <laughs> His father certainly had been one of the stalwarts of the Liberal Party in the area here. Yeah, so he was kind of a prize for the conservatives. And, uh, you know, having said that, I, I uh, was talking with Chris Bentley last week about the um, about Megan Walker, and he was saying, you know, I thought Megan was one of us. And I said, well, I'm just barely one of us on any given day. I mean, <laughs> I could easily go either way. Uh, you know, I, I did work on, on Marion Boyd's campaign uh, that, you know, people are... are People are complex, uh, you know, that we... Well, and, and probably should be, too. This idea that we're, you know, we can uh, just they punch us out like cards and say, here's who you're going to be and here's who you're going to stay. Uh, people are more complex than that. Issues change, things change. Yeah, and it's too bad in a way that in politics people seem to, 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 to need to cookie-cutter people. And if you do decide on a particular... Uh, campaign or because of a particular leader that uh, this party represents what you think more than the other party did and you change, you're a traitor. You're, you're the worst thing in the world. Well, well, Bob's contention, which he's made many times before, is there's no difference between the liberals and the conservatives anyway. Haven't you said that before? Well, not in any fundamental policies. There's a difference in some per- personalities and attitudes, but not in policies. In fact, you could find uh, a liberal or a conservative on either side of the gay marriage debate, on either side of the abortion debate, on either side of, a, especially the social issues, I think. Mm-hmm. I think where you see any kind of difference in, in liberal and conservative might be economically, but only superficially so. Let me ask both of you about this particular writing. I want to talk about London North Centre for a few minutes here. Um, I mentioned earlier that I was uh, on the CBC on Monday as their sort of local correspondent covering this this um, campaign because they're uh, outside of London. They're looking at this as a referendum on the government. Uh, my position was I don't think I don't think it is a referendum on the government at all. I think the way the dynamic is shaping up here, it's going to be much more about the candidates themselves, and it's going to be certainly the, it's certainly the, the parties are going to play a major role. They always do. I don't mean to downplay the importance of who's the liberal, who's the conservative, who's the NDP, but I think this is going to be about a lot more than whether Stephen Harper is is the right guy to lead the country or not. That's my opinion. I'd like to ask Bob what you think about that. Is this is this going to be the referendum on Harper's government that the that the national media seem to think it is? I don't know that. I think there's two by-elections going on simultaneously right now, if I'm correct, one in Quebec. Yes. I think uh, the peace, or the Conservatives are not expecting to take that seat. No. Um, with with a candidate like, like Haskett here in London, I think they've got a real good chance of taking London North Centre. And it's got nothing to do with ideology or anything like that. It's all about having an electable uh, quantity there, someone who has already proven that electoral qua- qu- you know, quantity in the past. She's electable. She's electable, and that's all that really matters. And I think um, 
you know, demographics being what they are, that's going to play to his favor in London North. Whether it, it proves anything one way or the other with respect to Harper, I think is more, uh, I think that's been expressed by Haskett herself. I mean, she came in on a, that's a good reason if you want to run, if you're coming, <laughs> coming back and you say, hey, finally got a leader I can get behind, you know. Um, and I think Harper certainly needs some people to help toot his horn from his own people, because sometimes that's one of the biggest problems that conservatives have is that is the infighting becomes too public. And um, but uh, no, I, I, I see. It, I, I don't see any big changes in terms of uh, you know policy or anything like that coming down the pipe. But uh, Jeff, what about you? Do you see, is this is this, I mean, obviously, in some sense, any by-election is a referendum. But do you do you think that's the major thrust of this? Well, I think if it is, it, it would be uh, in spite of the efforts of the prime minister because. Uh, prior to a week ago, I never thought of Diane Haskett and Stephen Harper in the same sentence. Uh, you know, I can assume what, what Diane might think mm -hmm. about some Tory policies, but as far as I know, she's never been a card-carrying Tory. She certainly never re represented the party. She's not associated in any way with with Stephen Harper that I know of. Um, so so to bring her in and have this kind of quick election thing, which, which by the way, I noticed defeats your idea of having Anne-Marie uh, run as the Liberal candidate. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and I don't know if that is something that may have factored in at all, but uh, again, they've essentially parachuted in a strong personality from London, and to me, that's the antithesis of saying we'd like to know how you think our government is doing. If they if they were interested in in that, they would have run somebody who uh, who had been associated with the government, who was a longtime uh, Tory or reform person, and who had been kind of publicly on record in the last election, at least, if not having run in the last election as a as a uh, Harper supporter. But isn't the bottom line for all of this is to win the seat? I mean, it's yep. all it's wonderful to talk about what the candidates should have, but all the parties are looking for a candidate can win, and none of them, I would submit to you, none of them particularly care how or why they win. They want them to win. Well, I think it's a smart it's a smart move. And uh, when I say that this isn't a referendum on Stephen Harper, uh, that that's just that's here or there you're right winning is what matters at the end of the day and i think that uh, somebody obviously having put out feelers to diane and found out that she was available it's it's brilliant and the idea of course you're going to do it quickly of course you don't want the liberals to to be able to mobilize you don't want them to run a leadership candidate of course you do it when they're uh, when they're uh, distracted by what's going on elsewhere of course you don't want to give anybody time to sell memberships in the local riding association to build a anybody but diane kind of campaign you you act quickly i think this has much more to do uh, with Ian Brody, frankly, than uh, with uh, Diane Haskett. And uh, Ian Brody is uh, Stephen Harper's chief of staff, and he's a political science professor at the University of Western Ontario. This is his riding, yeah. uh, and I think for him he would like it to be blue, and this is a strategy that may achieve that. Okay, we're going to pause for just a second. We'll be back. Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer with us on Left, Right, and Center on the Jim Chapman News Hour. This is Left, Right, and Center on the Jim Chapman News Hour. Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz with us. Uh, let's shift the focus from London North Center to London in general. Because, again, both of you guys have a long experience with politics, and, and uh, I want to take advantage okay, of that. Can I just top off the, oh, sure the you last? Yeah. You're talking about the importance of winning in London North Centre for yeah. the Conservatives. Yeah. I think it works both ways. I think Haskett is looking at it from that point of view, too. And I've been, I've been thinking to myself, you know, she's been down in the States, in the Washington area, for the last five or six years. And I can't, can't imagine that the news out of Canada was sounding very good under Kitchen, and suddenly she hears about this guy Harper, and all of a sudden Americans are really mm -hmm. more positively disposed, you know. And I'm just wondering if her, uh, 
if her thoughts on Harper might have been exactly the same if she'd been hearing all the negative criticism <laughs> here in Canada. You know, it, it's, uh, it's it, but I think she sees a winner, and she must in some way, and, and as do they, because I think it's a two-way street in that case, not yeah. just a party deal. Yeah. That's just wanted to make that a no, point. I think that's a very good point, and she certainly uh, stayed very plugged into what was happening. People have this idea that she left London and, and cut her ties to London, and that's not the case at all. Her family's all still here, mm. and uh, I know for a fact that she kept uh, kept in touch with with what was happening in the city here. She left, uh, and certainly I'm not a, I'm not a defender of Diane Haskett. She and I have had our public go arounds many many times over the years, but I will say this that. Uh, the people who are talking about her as a parachute candidate, I think, are sort of missing the point here. I think she, she, I know she left because her daughter did not want to grow up in the, uh, in you know, in, under the limelight. Whether Diane had run again and won the mayor's job again, which she chose not to do, uh, whatever her daughter wanted some anonymity as she went through her teenage years, and that's the, one of the primary reasons why they left. And Annie's now gone off to college, and although she was there last night, gone off to university, and so Diane's back. And I don't have any problem with criticizing politicians for for legitimate issues but there's already been some talk and a little little hinting around about that that she's a she's just like michael ignatieff and so on i don't think that's the same thing at all no. anyway that's just my little comment on the other that. aspect of it is i was surprised to read in the national media about london north uh, uh, center being a liberal stronghold and i'm thinking well the borders now are contiguous with the uh, provincial borders and diane cunningham certainly was strong there for a long time yes. so I don't see it as a liberal stronghold. I don't. I, I think that's a misinterpretation by the national media of uh, of Joe Fontana's record. Yes. I mean, I had uh, I've mentioned this before. I had a discussion just a couple of weeks ago with a very senior member of the Liberal Party, and he was expressing great concern that Joe had uh, had stepped away from that. That they really didn't want him to step away um, for the to, to chase the mayor's chair uh, because they were very very concerned that it was a Joe Fontana seat and not a Liberal Party seat. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm with you, Jeff. I think that that's what is going to be borne out. I don't think the Liberals have a lock on that seat at all without Joe there. I think it's very much wide open. Well, let's talk about Joe and Anne Marie and the other mayor candidates. We're uh, almost to the halfway point in the campaign. Not quite. I guess maybe another few days, but uh, for all intents and purposes, this thing is grinding on and clanking on. Free Press keeps coming back, and I mentioned this earlier, even in today's story, they keep mentioning that 20 percentage point deficit from two weeks ago, which is in a lifetime in politics. Um, I, I think that's doing a disservice to both of them. I think it's sort of a slap at Fontana to remind people that he's behind, but it's also dangerous for Anne-Marie because it c- could com- create a sense of a false sense of complacency. I expect they'll have another poll before, uh, within the next few days, I would expect. And it'll be interesting to see what that says. What do you, I want to know what you guys are hearing on the street, if anything, about this. Because you're both pretty plugged in. You talk to lots and lots of people in your jobs about what's going on here. Bob, what are you hearing about this race? <laughs> I hate to say it, but there's very little interest in the municipal election oh, and, generally. And that's speaking. fine. That's why I want to know, you know what you're hearing or um, not hearing. And everybody just sort of, okay, it's status quo now. It's going to be status quo when it's all over. And that's sort of the attitude. And they look at the numbers and they say, okay, it looks like we're going to have the same mayor again. Um, not really too much excitement out there. I, mean, I, I understand that, that this by-election and the municipal election are big news for the media because <laughs> it gives them an opportunity to toot their horn and, yeah. and uh, everybody who knows everybody in the cliques gets to talk about themselves. It's not like uh, that far removed situation like a, like a you know international event might mm-hmm. be or something mm-hmm. like that. So, uh, well, everybody has some inside skinny on something. Everybody in the media well, has yeah, got the, some sort of somewhere. the free press have a headline, something with the word frenzy in the headline, yeah. London North yeah. <laughs> by-election frenzy. I had, I did have people come to be laughing at that headline, 
because uh, they're going, what, what by election, huh? <laughs> Frenzy. <laughs> well, I tell you something. Don't, don't forget, most Londoners aren't voting in that by, North, no, London North by election, which is another reason it's sort of, uh, you know, we're just looking outside from the outside in. But here's an interesting statistic for you that in this riding, which supposedly is this focal point for, for the nation, um, I am told, and my estimate last night would be this, that there were less than 300 people at the nomination meeting for Diane Haskett. I was also told from people in a position to know that at least half of them were recruited in the last few days. So had Diane not come back, had this just you know been a normal sort of, you know, here's the nomination meeting and somebody else comes up at the last minute, you've got a guy who's been there for a while working for it, somebody else steps up and says, well, we need a race. Would they have had 200 people in the room? Maybe not. That's that's not a significant number of people, I don't think, to say that this is a huge, massive, tremendously important race. I'm talking about London North Center now, but I see that same thing sort of translating municipally to that. The, the, the interest, I'm not hearing the kind of interest that you would expect. No, but... I would regard that number as fairly large, actually, for 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 a, a riding association. I wouldn't. Situation. No, absolutely. In, in normal circumstances, I think you're quite right. Mm-hmm. But when you supposedly this is a you know in some ways a referendum on the future of the nation, yada yada, blah blah blah, and there might have been you know there were, were only three hundred. There could easily have been half that that many. That's true, and I think you might have prob- you probably would have had the same outcome. <laughs> And I think, though, like as an example, when Mike Harris was uh, was hitting his peak in the mid '90s, they were getting a thousand, fifteen hundred people out to events quite easily uh, for the local ridings. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a real groundswell, a real sense, I think, amongst the right that this was a this was something that was happening, and and people were very enthused about it, excited about it. So that's, now that, that's, that's if the party leader was there, right? Uh, well, no, but not when he when he came, but also when anybody who came that was involved with that with that election. That there was excitement. Uh, so if it was anybody who was was a high profile conservative, they were getting a lot mm. of people to come out. And I know that you know we have our phone trees that we call if we're having an event, mm. um, and you get on the phone and you try and call people in to get them out. But unless there's something that really is either either it's important for you to be there because you have to cast a vote on something that's very contentious, or there's something going on that everybody's excited about. It's very hard to get people to a political meeting, as you know, uh, and particularly a nomination meeting. Again, like usually, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, you know, when, when with Daryl Skidmore, for instance, when he ran, he, there were thousand plus people that he signed up himself as members who were all at the meeting. Uh, there were there were a good chunk of people there for that too, and that was the anti Mike Harris mm-hmm. people. Those the school teachers and so on. But right now there isn't really an issue. I don't think that has got conservatives wound up. Um, although it should, in the sense that they're poised to get a majority and to, to, to do the things they really want, and if they do get that, get that majority, and if they're correct that that's what Canadians want, they could be in power for a long time. Uh, but that seems to be too many steps removed from something that's genuinely exciting. Interesting dynamic happening in London West, too, where two uh, fairly high-profile candidates are jockeying for the for the Conservative nomination. Al Gretzky, who ran the last time and lost uh, to Sue Barnes, but not by a whole lot, yep. and Ed Holder, who is a very well-known, very well-respected, very dynamic, uh, very dynamic individual. Yep. Uh, and the two of them talked to both of them last night, in fact, and uh, they're both they're up for the uh, not for the fight. I don't want to characterize it a fight, but they're up for the challenge to, uh, to see which one of them can win the confidence of the uh, riding association there. So that's another well, one. Well, we expect that election within you know a year or two yeah. at the outside, so it's it's going to happen. But you were talking earlier about uh, interest in the municipal election, and I was at the all candidates meeting in Lambeth last week uh, for the uh, for the ward, and there were I would say maybe about thirty people there, and I was thinking, you know, you got. 30 people out of a city of 400,000 plus. Uh, and Lambeth is an area that's got a lot of things happening. There's, mm-hmm. You know, the garbage thing is right next door. Um, you know, they've got the sewage plant there. They've got a lot of growth going on that people are concerned about maintaining the character of the little village in the middle of it and so on. You get 30 people. 
I think part of that, though, and I've said this before, I think part of that is the nature of the meetings. I don't think it's that people are are constitutionally disinterested, but I think if you go to all-candidate meetings with any regularity, and I go to a number of them at every election, they're they're predictable. Very seldom does anything noteworthy happen. Very seldom does anybody say anything noteworthy. I mean, it's just it's sort of a they're, they're, it's almost they're ritual. Never, they're never yeah. neutral. They're they're always hosted by somebody who's got a vested interest and, in the election. And the audience is packed with their supporters. With, and that's and, uh, the yeah. way they all are. You know, I wish they would just get rid of those kinds of all candidates debates and have official all candidates debates of, in some way where you have you know objective people that can an- ask questions yeah. that they want to hear answers to. Well, the press club had a series set up. I went and moderated one of them. We did two of them, and nobody showed. Or a few people showed, and they canceled them. Except they're going to do one for the mayor and for uh, board of control. Yeah. And I think da- the downtown ward. Thirteen is the downtown ward that there's a lot of contention about. Yeah. Him, but they're going to do three more at the press club. But that's that's exactly the premise that they operated on. Well, th- it'll be a nonpartisan, non-agenda-driven meeting, but still people. Eh. Now, part of that may be it may have been a lack of of promotion of the meetings as well. But. Maybe. Well, I, th- I think the fall TV and lineup is just too good. And a perception that people in the media are part of the of that that whole group oh, of. Maybe. of Politic, you know. Well, in fact, they are. I mean, it's it's inevitable that if you spend any time in the media, uh, I was going to say investigating these people. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Uh, you observing, know, observing these people. You do. You create relationships with them. There's no question. You do. And in fact, it's at some levels you have to depend on those relationships because that's where you get a lot of the information sure. that, that that you ultimately use, whether you're a newspaper reporter or a radio or television guy. So there, there, you do establish relationships. And I sometimes think people outside, outside that little group, misunderstand though the relationship between the media and the politicians, particularly in this city, because there's some very specific types of media attitudes towards politicians. The radio stations generally don't have much to do with them except in a very neutral way because they don't have any staff, they don't have any reporters anymore. Television is a little more involved, but it's all about the picture. The newspaper, they have two or three reporters that cover this, and each of them, if you read them out over a while, you see they each have an agenda. The opinion columnists, people like me, we all have an agenda. You can see that in what we write. So I don't think this sense that everybody's in it together is very accurate. There's a lot of push and pull and tug and shove in in, in that whole media politician thing. You know, I was interested uh, a couple of days ago. I I uh, looked up uh, Diane Haskett on Wikipedia and said, oh, you know, Diane's an accomplished person. I wonder what she's done. And uh, not only on the profile there uh, do they have uh, the fact that she received her second LLM last year at uh, George Washington University, but they actually already said, and she's you know running in London, North, uh, North Asia. I think this is an American uh, encyclopedia service, and it's already that up to date. It's organized. Holy cow. But you do it yourself. Right? Yes, I know, but it works. Yeah, oh, yeah, you do yeah. that yourself. Yeah, you I know, but it works. <laughs> Otherwise, like, it's, yeah. it's just amazingly no, current. That's a good point. We're going to pause for a second. We're coming back. It's left, right, and center with uh, Bob Metz, Jim Chapman, and Jeff Schlimmer. Here's a story for you that I want to share with our guests today. We'll move away from politics for a second. This is a story from British Columbia, lest you think that we're the only uh, insane community around. This is from uh, Richmond, B.C., is going to spend six sixteen thousand dollars to buy underwear for their firefighters in a bid to make fire halls in the in this uh, Vancouver suburb of course more gender neutral these are boxers people are not going to be allowed to wear briefs anymore because uh, this is the official spokesperson said this we supply <laughs> firefighters with various pieces of gear such as gloves now it's underwear it's all part of the integration of the sexes in the workplace now i should explain a little bit they did an investigation there were complaints 
and an investigation of the department described its workplace culture as, quote, characterized by juvenile and hostile behavior towards female firefighters by their male colleagues. Firefighters strip off most of their clothes in order to don protective gear when responding to fire alarms. I didn't know that, but I guess that makes sense. Oh, this is the good part. Although the spokesman said the city's considering buying gear that can be put on over regular uniforms. <coughs> so apparently, underwear that can be put on over regular uniforms. Uh, apparently, apparently, boxers yes, briefs no, and uh, boxers are not juvenile and hostile towards women, and briefs are. So that's from Richmond. And here I thought you were going to say that the underwear was fireproof or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Next, uh, Brian. You, know, you would hope, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would hope for the sake of those poor guys and gals that are doing that. Anyway, that's Richmond, B.C. Well, we, we thus far have avoided that in London. We've had some, some very interesting and sometimes silly issues in London. But well, we I, I, to avoid I don't know if this could be related, but I was interested to discover there's a company called Under Armour that is, has been a huge phenomenon in the sports industry where uh, they came out with uh, a line of underwear, basically, and have been extremely successful and my son will only wear Under Armour sports underwear and uh, they have now started a division which is uh, uh, law enforcement and firefighters and so it's specialized underwear for law enforcement and firefighters and it's very trendy hip looking stuff and they promote it heavily on movies if you look you'll often see the sports gear has Under Armour it's a little logo on it and uh, anyway it's just the trendiest thing along around and the idea of calling it Under Armour is just going to appeal to the macho man and and all the athletes so is there any armor element well I just wonder if they're buying Under Armour I would not be surprised (laughs) that this is a way for them to get the trendy underwear and they're boxers you got to have it (laughs) oh yeah okay Uh, I want to leave today or end today with uh, with my guests and uh, just uh, get a sense, I guess, about uh, the municipal election again. Is it going to get any better, Bob? Are people going to get any more interested, or what will what will it take to get people interested? Not that it's going to happen, but what would it take to get people interested? Um, that's a tough one. I think what you see is what you get. I think it's going to just go right to election day. I think. I can already sort of see the result, <laughs> generally speaking. Uh, you know, we're always talking about the mayor, and there's not really much action going on with all the councillors who create so much mm-hmm. uh, controversy when they're elected and sitting in council. Yeah. It, it just blows me away that they're not a bigger part of the focus. One and of the I can- think that might be part of the reason that there's not that interest there. There's just well, not enough scandal. Uh, well, <laughs> one of the candidates told me last night that the last election at the door, I said, what are you hearing at the door? So I always ask them, and he said, I'm hearing people sort of a very calm, well, we think it's time to make a change. And he said, last time around, every door I went to, they said, throw the bums out. They're all gone as of Election Day. There'll be a clean slate. There'll be everybody new. So their people were angry. They were vocal. They were, and nothing happened, really. He said, this time they're not angry. But he said, there's, there's this quiet sense at every, as it says at every door, there's a quiet sense there that it's really time for a change and I'm looking for alternatives. Now, he did not get elected last time. So he's part of the change. And perhaps sometimes you hear what you want to hear. And sometimes people tell you what they think you want to hear. The band's playing in the background. That means we are out of time for today. I want to thank Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer for joining us uh, today, as they do most Wednesdays. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks, thank you. Jim. And uh, I know that you share that, folks, because you tell us that on a regular basis, how much you enjoy them. If you've enjoyed this presentation, visit justrightmedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing. It's just right.